superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Rich Eisen. He is one of the all-time. Rich Eisen. Absolute freaking great. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I don't see no competition. With guest host Ben Lyons. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Hey, Rich. Huge fan. Love your show. Listen to it every day. Thanks, brother. The Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Ben Lyons. Welcome, everyone, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons filling in here on a Monday, July 12th, 2021. Very excited to be with you for the next few hours and actually the next two weeks as I think Rich is on a boat with Magic Johnson in the south of France or I don't know where the big guy is, but I am very excited and humbled to be here to get to hang out and talk sports over the next few hours, the next few uh, few weeks. I'll be here until the 23rd. So lots to get into on a Monday morning, of course, a huge sports weekend Everything from uh, the Euro Cup final, which we'll get into, the Wimbledon final, Major League Baseball heads into the Midsummer Classic. But, of course, we start today's show with Game 3 of the NBA Finals last night in Milwaukee. I think it was the first finals game, they said, in Milwaukee in 47 years. So they were ready to rock out there in the Midwest, and Giannis put on a show, his second 40-point game of the series, and really got me this morning thinking about greatness and what it takes to be great, what it takes to find that next level in yourself to take your your game, your talents, your team, your city to the next level. We saw it on full display last night with Giannis, and uh, it, it, it was a remarkable performance that, considering we didn't think he was even going to play in this series, really deserves some acknowledgement this morning. This guy hyperextended his knee about a week ago. And it was one of those those clips on social media that made the rounds. He refuses to watch it to this point. It was that gruesome and weird looking. Yet here he is scoring 40 points to the second game in a row in the NBA Finals. It's ridiculous. Coach Budenhauser talking about the greatness of Giannis Antetokounmpo as well as his teammates talking about, you know, how he's able to night in, night out, do it at a high level. I think we got the sound now, Art. Here's Coach Budenhauser talking about Giannis. Yeah, no, he's impressive. You know, I think his leadership, he, he's always um, taking that on and I think growing there. And, um, you know, he and Chris and, and Tuck and the timeouts, the group, I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a ton of togetherness and, and it's good. That's what you need. Uh, you're in a hostile environment. And so I, I just love the way Giannis talks to his teammates. Um, even, you know, the, the other night when he was out, the connection, um, and he's a great leader. Now, here's the thing about greatness. you got to be able to do it again. And I know I'm sitting here uh, in a rec- nice, plush recording studio in Southern California with my man Raiders art, and it might be easy for me to say, well, let me see you do it again, Giannis. That was impressive, but can you do it again? But that's the key to greatness, and it's something that people don't talk enough about, the idea of consistency, availability, reliability these are skill sets and traits that are as valuable as 
how you can shoot a basketball or can you help side defense and, and play help side defense or can you shoot the three or what's your left hand like? People don't talk enough about consistency, availability when it comes to greatness. Um, here's Wayne Gretzky. All right, let me set this one up. Wayne Gretzky, the great one, uh, is the subject of a great documentary film called In Search of Greatness from director Gabe Polsky. And it profiles some of the great athletes of all time and what truly makes them tick and what gets inside their head from Wayne Gretzky and Pele and Jerry Rice. These guys who are not the physical, you know, physical specimens as their peers or didn't have, uh, you know, unbelievable uh, genetics, but yet found themselves as the goats of their sports. And there's kind of um. There's a, a, a sort of unifying trait that they all share, and that's the desire to do it again, to not rest on your laurels, to not be content, but to want to do it again and to do it again and do it again after that. So here's Wayne Gretzky talking about the process of greatness, how it applies to some other athletes. I'm a true fan of all sports, and I'm a true admirer of the elite athletes in each and every one of those sports. So when I see a guy do something and brings me out of my chair, you go, wow. I'll give you an example. Tennis is, to me, a fascinating sport. And if you watch Federer play, you just keep thinking, wow, can he just keep going to another level? It's pretty remarkable what he's accomplishing. When I watch basketball, when you see LeBron James and see what he accomplishes, and then you say, well, I gotta watch him play again tomorrow night because he might be better than he was last night. That's what's enticing for me as a fan. That's the great one, Wayne Gretzky, talking about uh, some of the other great athletes that he just loves watching as a fan. And it's that I idea of, yeah, I saw what they did. That's amazing. But can they do it again? And that's what separates the good players from the greats and the greats from the all-timers. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on a Monday here on the Rich Eisen Show. You can find us, of course, on Twitter, at Rich Eisen Show. Hit me up on Twitter, at I am Ben Lyons. And, of course, you can listen to us, as always, on Sirius XM 211 Westwood One. We'll be on Peacock next week. The guys taking a week off for TV, uh, get their beauty rest. But we'll be back on TV next week. And I'm glad these NBA Finals are continuing. The Bucks get a big win last night at home. And now we have ourselves a series. And now we get to say, can Giannis... Now you get to see if Giannis can do it again. Can we? Can he take it to an even greater level than than the, the, the level that he's playing at right now? He's leading the series in points, back-to-back forty-point games, and I think last night really exposed a blueprint for not only how Milwaukee needs to play. Got great contributions from Drew Holiday. Middleton only scored eighteen, but an improvement from Game Two. But also did a wonderful job on Devin Booker, and we'll get into that in a second. But I think more importantly for Milwaukee provided a, a, a blueprint of how to beat Phoenix. The Suns have yet to lose two games in a row in these NBA playoffs. Don't forget, they lost game three against the Lakers on the road. They lost game three against the Clippers on the road. And now here they are losing game three on the road in Milwaukee. You know they can bounce back. They haven't lost two games in a row. So what's the blueprint that Milwaukee can take away from the win last night so it doesn't just live in a bubble and the series goes back to, to being in, in Phoenix's favor? Well, the first key, I think, for Milwaukee was taking DeAndre Ayton out of the game. I mean, he came out of the gate hot with a quick 16 points. But the foul trouble for DeAndre Ayton limiting him to 24 minutes last night, that does so much for the Bucs. It gets him off the floor, which takes away the rim roller for Chris Paul, for Devin Booker, for these camp for Cameron Payne, these guys who create, they get in the lane, they get the double team, they get the attention of the defense, and they can just throw up a lob and 
there's DeAndre Ayton to finish at the rim. He didn't get four or five or six easy dunks in the second half to really take the crowd out of the game. So getting DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble not only helps them uh, offensively, uh, not only helps Milwaukee defensively and how they can uh, can control Devin Booker or contain Chris Paul, but then on the offensive side of things, that's where it really opens it up for Giannis. Because when you're Giannis Antetokounmpo and you're driving down the, the lane with a full set of, head of steam and you're coming downhill and Frank the Tank Kaminsky's there at the rim, oh, that's the green light to go ham. That's why he had so many dunks last night is there's nobody at the rim for Phoenix to throw at Giannis when DeAndre's in foul trouble. It's great to see Crowder try his hand at him. Booker's been admirable for sequences. Bridges is long enough. Cam Johnson's got length. But none of those guys are slowing Giannis down. So get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble. That's key number one for Milwaukee as they move forward. I think, too, it's also frustrating Devin Booker. You know, Devin Booker is somebody who's obviously put up 70 in the game, but he's a pure scorer. He's a tough shot maker. And if you can get him out of rhythm, if you can get him disengaged from the game, and that's a recipe for success for Milwaukee. There was one point I was watching the game with my buddies last night. Shouts out to Sasso and T-Kid and everybody for, for hosting us last night. Uh, but <laughs> is Devin Booker hurt? Did he hurt his hand? Was I going to the bathroom and missed him rolling his ankle? No, he just was out of it, and this is the most uh, you know amount of, of basketball he's ever played in his life. He had the shortened season last year. They were incredible in the bubble, but it's the first playoff run for Devin Booker. So we're sitting there last night. We're like, is he hurt? Is he tired? Or did he just have a bad game? So frustrating Devin Booker, throwing the longer Chris Middleton at him to slow him down, that's a key for Milwaukee. And I think the third thing for the Bucs as they try to take something from this big win in game three is you got to contain the others. You can't let Mikael Bridges go for 27 like he did in game two. And nobody on the Phoenix Suns went for 20 points last night. Bridges finished with four. Cam had a couple buckets here and there. When Jay Crowder is your second leading scorer, you're not going to win the basketball game. So get Aiton in foul trouble, frustrate Devin Booker, and contain the others. Don't let Cam and Bridges and campaign and these guys go off for big nights and that should be a recipe for the success for the Bucs moving forward. Also, you notice Phoenix not coming with this Giannis Wall stuff. The Giannis Wall, it was one of the most talked about things in the postseason in the last couple of years as you know, teams that were a little smaller up front found a way to slow him down, contain him, frustrate him, make him shoot threes. Well, when you don't have a rim protector and you don't have, uh, you know, Giannis bringing the ball up, instead you've got Drew Holiday doing a little pick and roll action and you're getting the ball to Giannis on the block, that takes the wall out of play. You know, the Bucks won the hustle stats last night. They have more effort, more energy. Uh, they turned the ball over fewer times and they won the points in the paint. And when you think points in the paint, your mind originally goes to like, oh, they're throwing it in down low to Brooke Lopez, and he's going to work. No, points in the paint come from transition. Points in the paint come from easy dunks and baskets and broken plays that find themselves at the rim. And the Bucs got a lot of those last night. Um, but, of course, the storyline for Game 3 is Giannis's greatness going for the 40 points, the back-to-back 40-point games. Uh, here's some of his teammates. Here's Drew Holiday talking about the performance of the Greek freak in Game 3. No, we don't have Drew Holiday. We have Chris Middleton. Sorry, my bad. We got Chris. I confuse my Olympians and All-Stars on the Bucks. They have so many of them. So here's Chris Middleton last night after the game. 
And we all witnessed it, but from way up here, what was it like to play alongside Giannis when he puts up a performance like he did tonight? He's been doing this since I've been here. Um, and now it's just on the biggest stage where everybody's able to notice. He's a guy, you know, extremely smart, but he also knows that he uh, draws so much of a crowd inside that paint. He's still able, still able to finish through um, and ones. And then, you know, sometimes every now and then he kicks it out to our three-point shooters. Uh, and we just try to make it easy for him, um, get him near the basket, give him space whenever he wants it. Let him dominate. And Chris, you talked about a shooter shoot, but when you don't shoot the ball well in game two, you have two days off. What goes through your mind, and do you get up extra shots to get your rhythm back? Yeah, sometimes. Um, you know, I think I took more of a mental day. Uh, the last two days have been a long, grueling season, and you know, postseason run, playing every every other day. Sometimes I just need to step away, um, refresh my mind a little bit. Um, but knowing this morning, you know what I need to do, um, and then coming here. Uh, going through my pregame routine, getting my shots up, getting to my spots, trying to find a rhythm. Um, that's what it's all about, just, you know, knowing what you need, knowing when you need to step away, knowing when you need to put in extra work. That's Chris Middleton and Milwaukee Bucks talking with the crew from NBA TV last night after the game. Shouts out to Kristen Ledlow and D. Scott, Dennis Scott, D3. Um, and, you know, it's that admiration for Giannis that permeates this Milwaukee Bucks franchise, and they see it firsthand when he goes for 40. And you put it in, in, in its proper context – you know, historically, um, Michael Jordan had four games in a row in the NBA Finals, dropping 40. Happened to be against the Phoenix Suns in 1993. And as you and I are hanging out this week and we're getting to know each other a little better, uh, you'll learn that I'm a big fan of all things Finals culture. I love the history of the NBA Finals. It's the ultimate level of basketball. I get really nerdy with the merchandise, the logos, the the moments, all of it. My first Finals... Uh, that I really remember being locked in was in 91 with the Bulls and Lakers, uh, the famous Michael Jordan switch hand layup game. The Bulls won in the forum in game five. Jordan's first title, Raiders art here in L.A., and an L.A. Uh, fan through and through is very upset still all these years later, 20 years later now, 30 years later, excuse me, 30 years later. Um, that was my first finals I really remember. And it's funny, later on the show today, around 11 o'clock here on the West Coast, 2 o'clock back east, we're going to have Michael Thompson from those 91 Lakers, who to this day thinks that if James Worthy hadn't broken his foot in game one, the Lakers would have upset Michael Jordan and the Bulls. But I, I say this to let you guys know that I really look at the finals as a barometer of, the great, of greatness in basketball. And, and you think about all of the moments that Michael Jordan had, not only in that first, you know, uh, three-peat with the Bulls, but then again against the Sonics in the two series against Utah. So many iconic moments that are forever ingrained in our hearts and our souls as basketball fans. And Giannis is on the way to doing that for this next generation. Two back-to-back 40-point games in the NBA Finals a week after hyperextending your knee. That's how you create your legend. That's how you write your legacy. And uh, Giannis was talking, uh, was asked about it last night, the sort of historic uh, performance he's put on in these finals and comparing it to Michael Jordan. Here's what Giannis had to, had to say about comparing himself to Jordan. Michael Jordan had four straight 40-point games against the Suns in the NBA Finals. I'm not Michael Jordan. Is that in jeopardy? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not Michael Jordan. Um... Uh... Four, 40 points in a straight two. Four in a row. <laughs> yeah, I've never, uh, no, I'm not Michael Jordan. Uh, but, you know, all I care about right now is getting one more. That's all. You know, just uh, take care of business, doing our job. 
locked in Giannis, um, sort of uh, humbled by the comparison, obviously, to MJ historically. But that's what happens with the NBA Finals. You look at it in the context of what's happened before and, and where the all-time great players, you know, perform at the highest level. And it's not only about Giannis's back-to-back and what is he going to do tomorrow or Wednesday night, like Wayne Gretzky was asking, but it's also about the bounce-back game. It's also about Devin Booker figuring things out and writing his own legacy. You know, so much has been made uh, about Devin Booker's connection with Kobe Bryant and the friendship they had, the mentorship role, the way he kind of reached out and took him under his wing, saw something in himself in Devin, and that really inspired Devin. He has a tattoo on his arm that says, Be Legendary. Well, Game 4 is an opportunity for Devin Booker to write his legend. Had an awful Game 3. He's only had one great half this series. Everybody knows he's a great player. Everybody knows he's a superstar. But now's the time to go out there and prove it. Now's the time to go out and show it. And again, you think of this postseason. Anthony Davis had a bad game one. Bounced back in game two against DeAndre Ayton. Kevin Durant found his Milwaukee Bucks tied. uh, Found the Brooklyn Nets tied with the Milwaukee Bucks at two games apiece. Well, Kevin Durant's historic game five and the ridiculous game seven, despite the loss, that's how you write your legend, the bounce back game. No better bounce-back game in my memory in recent years than LeBron James on the road to the Boston Garden in Game 6, 2012. Heater down 3-2. They blew it the year before against the Mavs. LeBron goes and puts a 40-piece on the big three and just ends the Boston Celtics, essentially, as we know them. So the bounce-back game from Devin Booker, Wednesday night. Let's see the greatness. Let's see the legend right itself. And he's got a great opportunity to go out there and do it. Um, so lots, lots to get into with the NBA Finals still. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to have Jared Greenberg from NBA TV. He's been out in Phoenix and Milwaukee covering the series for NBA. So we'll have Jared Greenberg in about an hour. But coming up next, I'm really excited to talk some uh, Major League Baseball with my buddy Adnan Verk. Adnan Verk is on the MLB Network. He hosts a Cinephile podcast for Metal Lark. And we'll get into the Midsummer Classic, which is uh, kicking off right now in Denver. The home run hitting contest tonight. Major League Baseball All-Star Game tomorrow night. We'll get into that and what's going on at the box office with our buddy Adnan Verk. Coming up next here, Ben Lyons filling in on a Monday, a day after Game 3 of the NBA Finals right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side, helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... 
The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich this week and next. Appreciate you rocking out with us here on a Monday. As always, you can find the show on Sirius XM 211 across the Westwood One radio network. And on Twitter, at Rich Eisen Show. You can hit me on Twitter, at I am Ben Lyons. I'm going to take a quick moment before we get Adnan Verk from MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast on the show. Before we touch base with Adnan, talk a little MLB Midsummer Classic. I want to share with you guys what I did over the weekend. Uh, shouts out to, to Randy, uh, Randy Cruz, buddy of mine in New York, runs a great street ball tournament at Orchard Beach. It's called Hoops in the Sun out in the Bronx. It's been going on for about 21 years. And like any restaurant that survived the pandemic – any local pro-am street ball tournament in your community this summer that is up and running, that's a tremendous accomplishment. The amount of pressure it takes to put on an event like that, to have, uh, you know, to do it safely and to now, um, you know, have crowds getting back together and playing hoop in the summertime out in the, out in the public, out in the streets, it's, it's a huge deal. So shouts out to all the local organizers who are able to keep their tournaments afloat. But this tournament, Hoops in the Sun, is incredible, and I went out there just loving the energy. Anthony Mason's son, Antoine Mason Jr., Antoine Mason, he was out there balling, plays professionally in Europe. A lot of guys who had played at Wisconsin or SUNY Purchase or Manhattan College um, out there competing. And the reason I bring it up is just it's a reminder that in your local community, wherever you're at, See Jamal Crawford in his Seattle Pro-Am going for 50 here in the Drew League in Los Angeles. It's a legendary tournament. Um, there are Pro-Ams taking place this summer. Um, guys who, you know, are looking to, to continue their careers. They just love playing basketball. If you're a family in a community and you can't afford to go to, a w, to an NBA game or a WNBA game, then you can go to your local park and, and see great basketball. So I just want to take a moment to sort of endorse and shout out all those local tournaments. I got to go to one this weekend in New York, out in the Bronx, Hoops in the Sun. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter as well. I know Obi Toppin's supposed to show up this summer, Donovan Mitchell. And it's just so great for the community and so much fun. And if you just love basketball like I do, um, then you'll really enjoy, obviously, the experience of, of, of heading out and seeing your local pro-am. So shouts out to Randy Cruz and the boys out at Hoops in the Sun in the Bronx. It was a great day on Saturday. Uh, NBA Finals Game 3 last night in Milwaukee. The Bucks get it done as, uh, as Giannis goes for a historic night um, in Milwaukee, his second 40-point game in a row. And 
the idea of greatness is so interesting to me. I find it at the center of most sports debate. Most sports radio conversations seem to surround the idea of, is that person really great? Who is the greatest? And in that greatness, um, that's where we find the debate. And oftentimes there's no real answer. Both of the players are great. Who's greater, LeBron or Jordan? Who deserves? And then the other part of it is the credit for the greatness, right? Well, the Patriots were great, but who deserves the credit? Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Well, all these, uh, you know, NBA players are great, but who deserves the credit for their finals? Does Michael Jordan deserve the credit or does Scottie Pippen deserve? How much of the credit does Scottie deserve? 20%? And that's, that, that's sort of the, the, the center of so many of these conversations. But what often gets left out of the conversations and how we define greatness is the consistency of greatness. Can you do it again? Can you do it when your back's against the wall? Can you do it when you don't have certain things that you're accustomed to do, to having? I equate it to the world of, of cooking. My sister is a chef in New York City. Shout out to the St. Anselm. I'm biased, but I think it's one of the great restaurants in the city. She's a chef, and she's got to turn out hundreds of steaks a night. And she's got to turn out hundreds of steaks the next night. And she's got to turn out hundreds of steaks two nights from now. And they all have to be great. And they all have to be top quality because that one customer who comes in, who gets an overcooked steak, well, they're never coming back. So I equate greatness in sports often to cooking. Anybody can follow the recipe and make a great batch of brownies. I know my brownies might have a little something, something in there, but anybody can cook brownies once, follow the instructions and make great brownies. Does that make them a great baker? Do you have confidence that the next batch of brownies they'll make will be equally delicious, maybe even more delicious? What happens when they're baking out of their kitchen, if they're cooking in someone else's kitchen, or if they don't have certain ingredients? Can they bake great brownies? Then that's the key. Can you do it, and can you do it consistently, and can you do it again? And Giannis putting on the show he did in Milwaukee last night proves his greatness. He had a great game two. He had a great game three. Let's see if he does it again. And it's okay to ask our truly elite athletes to do it over and over and over again. Anybody can do it once. There's a reason why they're all in the league. Everybody's the greatest player in the history of their high school. Brooke Lopez can go for 38 in the playoffs one time. Can he do it again? And can he do it again after that? And somebody who understands that consistency, somebody who understands that availability and consistency are the hallmarks of greatness is our good friend Adnan Verk, who finally joins the show now. Adnan Verk from MLB Network. How are you, my friend? The live Dan. How are you, brother? Talking about brownies. I mean, whatever brownie analogy you're making cannot be as good as the kale salad you made for me when the Eagles won the NFC Championship game. We were hunkered down together in Utah. In Park City for the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, that kale salad will live on. I mean, the stuff of legends, the seasoning <laughs> in that uh, dressing that day was really something that will be talked about for years to come. Um, Adnan Verk, of course, you know him from MLB Network. You know him from the Cinephile podcast available now uh, as part of the Meadowlark Media family. But Adnan has a true love, a deep spiritual connection to Roger Federer. And I want to talk to him. I want to talk to you, Adnan, about the greatness of Roger Federer and what we saw this weekend in the Wimbledon final. And now the fact that we've got three goats 
with 20 wins each in majors with the Joker, with Nadal, who made me watch film him get a massage once in Mexico for extra. That's a story for another day. And, of course, Roger <laughs> Federer. What do you think about what happened this weekend with Federer and Wimbledon and Joker and the three of those guys having 20 wins apiece? Well, I'm glad that Robert Kraft didn't ask you to film one of his massages, so that's good news. But <laughs> as far as Federer's concerned, listen, Ben, as you said, it's a, a deep and abiding personal love and passion I have for him. The best tennis writer alive is John Wertheim, who's also part of Tennis Channel with our boy Steve Weissman and, of course, a correspondent for 60 Minutes. John's got a new book out called Glory Days, which is terrific, all about um, 1984, why it was such an important year. So I had him on Cinephile, as you mentioned, and I talked to him about this, and I said, listen, in 2011, Federer had 16 majors, Nadal had nine, Djokovic had one. And now we're in this golden age where all three guys have 20. And I said, people look at me and go, you know, how does it feel that your boy's not going to be number one? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you know, Djokovic might get a career slam this year, might win up with 25 majors. And I said, listen, for every person, the best is subjective. If you're going to go just by majors one, then yes, I do think Djokovic is going to end up with the most wagers. But if you look at the impact and the influence of Federer and the sheer adoration he receives, there's a reason why for many people like me, he's number one. The way he plays, Ben, the elegance and the subtle behavior of the way he just kind of glides across the net, it's amazing. We've never seen anything like that. And, you know, Emerson had 14 majors. You know, uh, Pete Sampras had more majors. But if you ask people of a certain tennis era, they'll say Rod Laver's the best ever. So, listen, I understand people, we get hung up on numbers, and I get that. But for me, Federer is the greatest because of the way he plays, uh, his influence, the love that he has for tennis, the love he's cultivated in the sport. His influence, to me, is global, and it's remarkable. And that's nothing to take away from Djokovic, who's an incredible player. I watched that match. I said, he loses the first set against Berrettini, no problem. He shrugs it off like nobody's business. Nadal, of course, is amazing. Although, I say, listen, of the 2013 at the French Open, like, who cares about clay? No tennis purist says, man, I wish I could dream about the clay. It's always Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. And Rogers won eight Wimbledons, and now Novak has won six Wimbledons. So, listen, uh, when 65% of your majors are on clay, that diminishes the Dow for me. Nothing can diminish Djokovic, though. He's remarkable. But Federer will always be my guy. And Ben, he's turning 40 next month. He's still got to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. I don't think people appreciate what a remarkable achievement that is considering he's coming off double knee surgery and had played only 10 times in the last 18 months. Adnan Verk joins the show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen. And I think as we get older, Adnan, guys like you and I, we appreciate the fact that Roger's out there competing at a high level, uh, knowing that for us, just getting out of bed in the morning can sometimes cause us to uh, <laughs> have some aches and pains, <laughs> let alone getting to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. And something you brought up that I think is so interesting in the greatness conversation and debate that permeates across sports, the eyeball test versus the resume. While the resume might have all these guys at 20 wins a pop, the eyeball test, the cultural significance, the global impact might have those lean towards Federer in, in the conversation around greatness. Um, switch. Absolutely, Ben. And I like it sometimes to our, our love of movies. You know, just because Pearl Harbor makes a billion dollars, that doesn't mean all of a sudden that's the greatest film of all time. Like it's, it's a subjective art, even though we like to look at it in numerical numbers. 
However, I will throw a challenge flag on the field of Hollywood and say the French, the greatest movie franchise of all time is the Fast and Furious. I do live my my life a quarter mile at a time, Adnan. Just want you to know. You're all but F9 and Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember your dad, the esteemed film critic, Jeffrey Lynch, trying to sell me on Fast and Furious, and you quickly interrupted in the midst of our Wahlburgers and go, listen, that's just not something Adnan's going to watch. Like, that's just <laughs> uh, you are, I do consider you family, and I would love to share a Corona with you at some point, but let Let's talk about your day job with MLB Network and what's happening now. It's the Midsummer Classic, Adnan. I feel like you're more excited for it than the players in baseball are this year. <laughs> I always love the All-Star game. And one of the things I love about it, Ben, is that everyone gets represented. Maybe it's just the Canadian and me. I like that everyone gets a trophy. And I love that. That's a Canadian thing, a participation trophy is part of your culture? I think so. I think everyone just wants to be a winner. Everyone's patting each other on the back. Everyone wants to be in a good mood, a genial, amiable behavior at all times. I love the moment where they introduce everybody. It's my favorite part because you get to doff the cap and go, oh, that's what Trevor Rogers, the Marlins, looks like. All right, cool. Oh, there's Giovanni Soto representing the Tigers, a terrible team, but he's the third straight Tigers reliever to make the All-Star game. And what happens is that when the All-Star game first gets announced, just like the Oscars with us, you go, I can't believe this person got snubbed. But eventually, because people drop out, injuries happen. Unfortunately, Acuna got hurt, for example. So the guys end up making the team. So a big sub immediately was your favorite team, the Dodgers, and Walker Buehler. Well, guess what? Walker Buehler's now on the team. So it's all good. You know, Jacob DeGrom drops out. Well, Tom Walker will take his spot. Hey, great news for the Mets. So I love seeing the celebration of young talent. We're sitting a record, Ben, full-time All-Stars. Like, it's remarkable how much great young talent is in the game. Tatis is my favorite player probably in the game right now. I can't wait to see him in the All-Star game. Otani is arguably the biggest story in sports right now, what he's doing. He's taking dead aim at Roger Maris's home run record in the American League of 61. When you think of the home run record, how it was smashed, you're thinking of Bonds and Sosa and McGuire. But in the American League, the record is still 61 and untainted. And right now, Otani with 33 is on pace for 61. So I can't wait to see him in the home run derby tonight. It's a great story all around. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. Joined now by Adnan Verk. You know him from MLB Network and, of course, the Cinephile Podcast. Download, rate, review, subscribe on Meadowlark Media. And Adnan, you talk about your love of the All-Star Game, and I'm right there with you. I love the player introductions. I love feeling the Americana of it all. When Ronald Reagan was in the booth for Bo Jackson's leadoff home run in 89, that was an incredible moment. Ten years later, Ted Williams, uh, with all the great players surrounding him at, at the pitcher's mound at Fenway Park. It's those iconic moments that remind you why you love baseball. And that's something I want to see tomorrow night. I want to see Otani go yard. I want to see uh, Tatis fought, you know, with two home runs. And I just want to see stuff happen. And I feel like that's what's plaguing baseball right now is that nothing happens the Dodgers exploded the other day for 22 runs and eight home runs it was like finally not like a 2-1 game a one nothing game strikeouts what can baseball do to inject some action into the game well it's good news that we are getting some more runs it was 8.5 runs per game in April and May and all the hullabaloo as you know but the sticky substances well now June and July those runs were up to 9.3 so if we can get up to double digits here and generally, by the way, a lot of that bend goes down to warmer weather. Guys generally hit better. So I don't know how much of this is because the spin rate has gone down. Some of this is just the collateral impact of weather warming up and guys hit better. But I'm with you that we need to get more action in the game. You know, pace of play has been a constant topic. And 
unfortunately, sometimes you go to a game right now and it's just too much of the three true outcomes. It's just too many strikeouts, walks, and home runs. So I think what has to happen is you have to see a team that's successful more in terms of contact hitting, and then you see a bunch of copycats. Then other teams will say, okay, let's replicate that. For example, stolen bases are not on vogue right now, but if they become an undervalued asset, if a team starts stockpiling teams that are fast and finds a way to win, well, then other teams will copy that. So there's a certain recipe for success. There's no question in terms of on-base percentage and slugging percentage. Get on base, hit the three-run home run. But hitting home runs is not always a fail-safe. You've seen that with the Yankees. They've been the biggest disappointment in baseball this year, and the only way they can win games, Ben, is by hitting home runs. Now, here's the problem. In the past, they've hit three-run home runs. Now 67% of their home runs are solo shots. Yeah, it's not going to get it done. Right, this whole fallacy, well, just hit a home run, well, that's not going to work. And their bullpen, which has always been a strength, it's been power bats and power arms. Well, now their bullpen's become leaky as Chapman has struggled second season of his big contract. And they've actually given up, you know, the third most leads now, especially in the eighth inning and ninth innings. So I think it's a little bit tricky when teams go, well, just hit home runs. Well, it doesn't always work that way. And the Yankees are an example of a team that, maybe too supermetrically inclined. It's all right-handed. They're not very athletic. They're not very good defensively. They don't run the base as well, and that's why they're having such a tough season. So I think when you see teams struggle, hopefully teams will say, you know what, let's value other things in the game besides strikeouts, home runs, and walks. Adnan Verk, MLB Network, and the Cinephile Podcast joins the show. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen and hearing you talk about the struggles the Yankees are having in the Bronx. You know that brings a big smile to my father's face, the biggest Red Sox fan on the planet who left my graduation in high school early because Pedro was pitching. Um, Adnan, you, you talk about uh, you talk about <laughs> fixing the game, and, and, and there's one thing in baseball that I've always – has never made sense to me, and I've always thought, this is it. This is the fix. This is how you speed up the pace of play. When a player is warming up in the bullpen, a pitcher is warming up to come in, Everybody in the stadium stops for five minutes as this guy throws eight pitches out on the mound. Name me another position in all of sports where everyone stops the game to watch one player warm up before they come into the game. In fact, Adnan, I ask you, as someone who loves hockey and football and basketball, what other position would you like to see in sports get the same treatment as a middle reliever? He warms up in the back for 20 minutes, then he comes out on the field and everybody stops what they're doing to watch them warm up. What other position in sports would you like to see have the same treatment? Well, we share a brain on this because I once asked Tim Kirchner that. I said, why exactly do we do this? Because it is completely illogical. And he said that sometimes, or not sometimes, what the relievers have said is the mound feels different there than what they're throwing in. Even if it's the same dimensions, there's just something about a feel for it. But I'm with you. It is preposterous and silly. And if you want to speed things up, that will shave off a couple minutes here and there. So I couldn't imagine a backup goalie in hockey coming in and just taking a few warm-up shots if a guy comes off the bench to shoot some threes, let me just practice a little bit. Yeah, then, hopefully hopefully, my friend Langston Galloway checks in. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Checks in for the Phoenix Suns, and he's going to take a few free throws in Milwaukee because the Thundersticks <laughs> look different. Give me a break. Yeah, it's definitely uh, unusual. and It's not my biggest pet peeve with baseball, but you're right. It's one that could definitely use improving. I would love to see in the playoffs some afternoon games. That's my big thing is, 
some of these games go so long. You're starting at 8, you're going to midnight. I mean, I love playoff baseball because the intensity is awesome. I just wish sometimes they could move the games up a little bit earlier. That's my only thing. Hey, you and I are at the center of sports, movies. We love the intersection of, of both. Before I say goodbye, Adnan, I just want to ask you, when you see Spike Lee as the president of the jury at the Cannes Film Festival, walking the Quisette with one-of-one one Air Jordans, on the same <laughs> night his short film is kicking off the NBA Finals, the same night... That is the ultimate. You and I are doing a Spike Lee episode of your podcast this week or something? That, that's why we're doing a home and home this week. So you're going to come on Cinephile tomorrow. Uh, the podcast will be released on Thursday. But I said, you know, nobody loves Spike Lee more than my man Ben Lyons. And this is a real interesting time for Spike. You know, he had a decade there of irrelevance, came roaring back by winning an Oscar for Black Klansman. And as you said, the Cannes Film Festival, which is the beacon of film elitism, and there's Spike crushing it. And I think it's an amazing story because I still think back. Your boy Horowitz, I listened to Happy Sack Confused. He had Soderbergh on. I find Soderbergh, listen, he's very talented and very innovative, but it still offends me that sex, lies, and videotape actually beat Do the Right Thing. It just angers me to no end. So we're going to talk about the greatness of Do the Right Thing right now in the summer, why it's one of the greatest summer movies of all time, why it's one of the greatest movies of all time, and you'll share some stories with Spike as well. So. I can't wait, man. It's an awesome moment. I'm so happy for Spike. I'm so happy for you, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. You got a lot going on. The Midsummer Classic, of course, MLB Network, the All-Star Game this week, and, of course, the Cinephile Podcast on Metal Arc Media, part of the shipping container and the pirate ship. I love it, Adnan. Thanks for taking some time, my buddy. You're the best, Ben. Anytime, and most importantly, Wexler's Deli. I was in L.A. calling <laughs> some fights for the zone. Check out Wexler's Deli. My boy Ben's all over it. Pastrami on rye. You can't beat it. Next time I'll go with the chocolate egg cream. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking on the extra carbs. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Be well. Adnan Verk joining the show. Uh, ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on a Monday. And I just love Adnan's passion for baseball, tennis, uh, movies. He's at the center of all of it, and he's a dear friend, and I appreciate him taking some time. Um, coming up next, I want to get into the best division in the NFL. We'll talk some football next. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Rich Eisen Show. 
remarkable how much great young talent is in the game. Tatis is my favorite player probably in the game right now. I can't wait to see him in the All-Star game. Otani is arguably the biggest story in sports right now, what he's doing. He's taking dead aim at Roger Maris's home run record in the American League of 61. When you think of the home run record, how it was smashed, you're thinking of Bond and Sosa and McGuire. But in the American League, the record is still 61 and untainted. And right now, Otani with 33 is on pace for 61. So I can't wait to see him in the home run derby tonight. It's a great story all around. That was my good friend Adnan Verk. You know him from MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. Appreciate you spending some time with us. I'll be here all week. And again, next week when we return to Peacock, we'll be on television as well next week. Got to make sure I shave. Get some button-down shirts. Got to look, gotta look responsible, right, Art? Got to look somewhat professional around here. This is a real deal show. Uh, ben Lyons filling in for Rich Eisen. And, and Adnan Do you was shave so- yet? Uh, do I shave yet? Well, I, sometimes I grow like the Fred Durst kind of chin strap thing going on. Um, but yeah, the, the full mustache. Uh, that, I, I'm only here two weeks, Art. So I, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna we're gonna see that at all. Um, Adnan makes a great point about Otani and the American League record. I hadn't thought of it before before he mentioned it, but the home run numbers that we saw in the late '90s and early 2000s uh, permeated across baseball. But the guys who were always chasing the record were in the National League from the summer of 99 with not only Bonds and Sosa, but you'll remember Greg Vaughn, I believe, that summer out in San Diego was also hitting some bombs. And then a few years later when Barry uh, Barry Bonds goes for 70, takes it to a whole other level, it stays in the National League. So while not as hollowed as the uh, and and revered as the um, MLB uh, home run record, 61 home runs in the American League, knowing it's clean, uh, I think has has some juice to it and will be something we'll be keeping tabs of the rest of the summer. Um, Otani, what he's doing, should be the one of the biggest stories in sports. And I think uh, tomorrow night, and if he can put on a show tonight and have a good game tomorrow night, I think that might help uh, elevate him into the conversation around the country about what's happening in the world of sports. This guy's pitching and hitting at such a high level haven't seen it in my lifetime. I haven't really seen it since at, at, at this level, since Babe Ruth historically in the game. So, again, greatness, doing it every night, going for 30-plus home runs at the All-Star break. Not just hitting a home run in a game you pitch once. That's amazing. But doing it night in, night out, being available. That's the key to true greatness. All right, I want to switch gears a little bit here before we get Jared Christopher, a great filmmaker, calling in uh, at the bottom of the hour. And then we'll have Jared Greenberg from NBA TV talk a little bit more about this Game 3 Bucks and Suns from last night. But I was thinking today on the drive over here about the best division in football because I know our our, uh, uh, our courageous board op, Art, is a diehard Raiders fan. So I was thinking about the AFC West and if that was the best division in football and with Patrick Mahomes coming back for Kansas City, you can't count them out. Ooh, that music just gets me excited for football, even in July. You can't count them out, but too many questions are in the AFC West. You know, your Raiders are kind of uh, hanging uh, on the bated breath of Aaron Rodgers to see what he'll do because they think that might get them Devontae Adams. And if Derek Carr gets a stud receiver and Adams, maybe that elevates not only the Raiders, but the entire division out west in the AFC. But I think the best division in football, and it's not even close, is the NFC West. When you look at the quarterbacks alone, all four, 
you have confidence in if you're a fan. Russell Wilson, a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, the Rams adding Matthew Stafford, and of course the kid Kyler Murray out in Arizona. So you have four quarterbacks in the division where there's no mysteries. If they're healthy, I mean, Jimmy's proven to be a winner in, in the short time in, in New England, but really with the, with the 49ers, took them to a Super Bowl and came up short. The Rams have been in a Super Bowl without Matthew Stafford in recent years. Of course, Seattle and Russell Wilson last year won 12 games. And, and, and then you're talking about the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, uh, who, who is a tr- tremendous player. And they got DeAndre Hopkins out there. So you can't count out the Cardinals. In fact, they had, you know, the NFC West has four Super Bowl appearances in the last eight years. So half of the Super Bowls have been re- represented uh, in the NFC by the NFC West. Only the NFC South has two, and that's, uh, you know, the Falcons and the Bucks, and that's just because of Brady and, uh, and Matt Ryan in Atlanta. You know, the AFC North is the only other division that last year had three teams 500 or better. The only other division in football to have three teams five, uh, 500 or better. And if you look at the, uh, that division, the AFC North, some big question marks around the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the way their season ended and the future of Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh and Joe Burrow's health in Cincinnati. So two of those teams, the Ravens and the Browns, I think are amongst the elite. But again, do you, ha- do you have faith in the Browns? They are the Cleveland Browns. They do have Baker Mayfield as a gunslinger, but do you really have faith in them this year? Expect them to be in a championship game? I don't know. I still think they're playing with house money in some ways. But when I look around the NFL... The AFC East, the NFC East, there's tons of question marks. The NFC West is by far the premier division in the league. Think about this. A a division that already had Aaron Donald, already had Bobby Wagner, already had the 49ers D. They add J.J. Watt? They add J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals? The NFC West is going to be a gauntlet, and I think the representative of the NFC in the Super Bowl will come out of that division. And hopefully it's the Rams who get a home game. I got to admit, I'm a little biased. Uh, Coming up next, one of my favorite filmmakers, Jared Christopher, has got a great series, The Texas Six. 